0: So that you can embrace your true nature and begin walking boldly toward your dreams. Let's dive in. Today, I am chatting with the incredible Julie Parker. Julie is the founder of the Beautiful You Coaching Academy, co founder of Priestess Temple School, and a mentor, counselor, coach, supervisor, guide, and certified breathwork facilitator for sacred leaders and space holders. Uh, And I have had the privilege of um, being mentored by Julie before, and I can tell you that it is, um, yeah, just a beautiful, expansive, generous experience. (laughs) Uh, So welcome, Julie. Thank you for being here. Oh, thank you so
1: much for having me, Sam. I'm really, I'm genuinely looking forward to the vulnerability and realness Mm. of what I know is going to be this conversation ahead.
0: Yeah, thank you. I um I really appreciate like you being here and sharing from your heart and your stories because this is quite a vulnerable topic. Uh, before we dive into your story, I'd just like to touch on something we were chatting on, about before I press record. As is always the case, often so much gold happens before you press record on a podcast, right? <laughs> sure does, yes. <laughs> um, so could you share with me a little bit um your views on self-worth and um, whether it's something that, like, impacts a lot of people? Hmm.
1: Well, from my
0: perspective,
1: Sam, I'm 51 years old, so I'm in midlife plus and I've also had 25-plus years now experience as a psychotherapist and almost 20 years as a, a life coach and a mentor. I feel quite confident to say that self-worth is something that impacts us all in some way or another. And if we have a general awareness around what it is, then we understand that or it's at least important for us to understand that our self-worth is not something in our lives that is static It's not Mm -hmm. a destination that we arrive at and say, I now consider myself to be worthy. And then we might never then experience self-worth wobbles or doubts or issues ever again. This Mm -hmm. is one of those things that we all work on for life and we absolutely can improve our relationship with ourselves undoubtedly other of course you and i believe that because we would not be doing the work that we do if we didn't but it's something that exists on a continuum it is something that we are growing with healing with walking and moving with all the time there are lessons about our self-worth and our relationship with ourselves that i think unfold for us for life
0: hmm I agree I think um you know that image of like peeling back a layer of the onion it's kind of like we feel like we've worked on our self-worth and then something else comes up and there's another layer and another layer of kind of work to be done yeah Yeah. I completely agree and you know what it's not even necessarily
1: sometimes about things coming up Mm. sometimes it can just be something as simple in inverted commas as life and aging Yeah, because we know for example that for a lot of people their self-worth can be tied and connected to how they feel about their body for example Mm -hmm. just as one example well the body that I have now at 51 is not the body that I had when I was 21 And so how I'm moving through this particular stage of my life as my body is changing with perimenopause and moving into menopause and I now have silvery, streaky hair and all of those sorts of things is very different to how I felt about myself as a 21-year-old young woman. And so Mm -hmm. sometimes these things where we're journeying with changes in our self-worth are journeys that we're changing with simply because we're changing and we're journeying through life as we go.
0: Yes, I, and I think um, a lot of self-worth stories come up around motherhood because it's such a big change and it's not necessarily that your self-worth has changed, it's that your role and your identity and your life has changed so much and sometimes your identity and your self-worth are almost trying to catch up.
1: Completely, you know, mm-hmm. times of transition when yes. we're when we in them, when we're mm-hmm. in the messy middle, when we're in a sticky stage, we can't necessarily see, you know, quite literally the forest for the trees. Yes. And it's only when we lovingly and self-compassionately as much as we can move through that time to come out towards the end or the other side that we can begin to develop more self-awareness around who we are now And what we need now in comparison to who we were before that transition occurred.
0: Mm, Yeah, I love that. So what's your, what story would you like to share with us today then about a time when your self-worth was a little bit wobbly or felt a little bit um, more shaky than usual? Mm.
1: Well, I'm going to call a spade a spade right from the start Sam and say mm-hmm. that this was a period of my life where my self-worth was not just a little bit wobbly. Mm-hmm. It it was outright in desperate trouble. Okay. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. So I'm going to be really frank with you there mm-hmm. and I'm I'm taking everyone back to a time when I was in my early 30s.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And this experience of having significant difficulties with my self-worth and my relationship with myself centered around the breakdown of a relationship.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And I think that this can be a story or an experience that many people might be able to relate to. And it's tied up with um, heartache and heartbreak and feeling once loved and then not loved and a, and a whole lot of things in between there. And like so many relationships, this one started and began um, beautifully. And I fell deeply in love. And the short version of the event of the experience was that I believed in my heart of hearts that this was a relationship that was going to end in, in marriage and children and be forever that that is genuinely what I believed at that time that was not the case and looking back now of course with hindsight as a magnificently (laughs) clear set of glasses to look through I realize now that that was not the case probably only about four to five months in Mm. however the depth of love and Romance that I was feeling and experiencing at the time did not allow me to see that. And as can be the case for there might be somebody listening who has had an experience like that, I now recognize that I was in a relationship that I was significantly more invested in than he was. I think he was in the beginning but not for as long as i was the relationship ended and i felt quite literally like my whole world was crashing down around me i ended up experiencing a clinical depression which is something that i had never had significant mental health difficulties before then Uh, i was also I think it's important to add into Mm. the mix at this time a therapist myself Mm. and so I was a a difficult uh, case shall we say (laughs) I was a therapist needing therapy Mm. and we are not easy clients when we because we know all the tricks and, (laughs) and all the things and or you know we can be resistant and and pushing back at ourselves, which is what I did at the time. How has this happened? You know, like somehow or another I thought that I was not human.
0: Mm. It's like,
1: how can this have happened, Julie? How could you let this have happened? You can't be experiencing depression. You're a therapist, like Mm. somehow or another that you know magically meant that I was immune to it in some way which of course none of us as human beings are no matter what we do whether we're a doctor or anything a therapist or anything in between a psychiatrist we all can experience mental health difficulties and we know that we do Mm. and within that period of time I also undoubtedly had the most significant in-depth experience of losing myself is the way that I call it. I I lost confidence in myself. I lost belief in myself. I started to make um, assumptions about who I was, not just within the context of that relationship ending but also began to predict into the future mm. that I was never going to find love again, that I was never going to be happy, that um, I had lost the one chance that I had um, for love and connection and that thankfully has turned out to not be the case at all and i'm now very happily and lovingly married and have been for a very long time um to someone else let's just clarify that um to someone else but that th- or oh, I might stop there, Sam, and then allow you to to guide me wherever you want to go. But yeah. that that was my story at that time. And I'm here to also let everybody know it took years to come back from.
0: Mm, thank you for sharing. I um I felt some kind of tears on the edge of my I was just um, listening to your story because I you're so you're such a rich storyteller so I really felt like I was there but also I feel like I had such a similar experience in my 20s and it was actually what made me become a therapist because I yeah I had a period of depression went and saw a counselor and it was so life changing that it inspired me to be a therapist and mm-hmm. I think there is something about a breakup that can really shake our self-worth and our identity to the core, mm. you know, it's just, yeah, it's, it's real, especially if it was a long-term relationship or if it was a relationship where we really saw that that was our future.
1: Yes, absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. It certainly was the case for me and I've known it to be the case for many other people as well, mm. which is why, of course, you know, we must Remember with our whole hearts that anybody that we know that is experiencing a divorce, Mm. for example, even if they know in their hearts that it is the right thing or the best thing for them, or the breakdown of a long term live in relationship or anything like that, my heart goes out to you if that Mm -hmm. is you right now because you believed in something that is not going to go the distance that you believed with your whole heart would and that is not easy that Mm -hmm. is a challenging thing to let go of and it brings up a lot of things uh for us it makes us question our judgment it Mm -hmm. makes us question our lovability it makes us question our communication skills our connection skills our it it makes us question many, many things about ourselves, which, of course, then directly impacts
0: um, our self-worth. Because mm. yeah. I, I don't know if you can relate to this, but for me there was definitely a thing of, oh, I mustn't be good enough for that person. Like that's why it didn't work out or, you know, like. Oh,
1: yeah. yes. Oh, mm. my gosh. I, I I honestly could not count the number of times that particular Mm. very damaging thought went through my mind this is you there is something wrong with you he is amazing Mm. how can you have let this happen um that clearly there you're not right clearly you're not enough you Mm. know all of these things that directly dig into your self-worth your self-love your self-belief and if you're not then careful and I certainly exhibited some Mm. of these behaviors then start to make you not just think but Mm. actually behave in really Mm. unhelpful ways yeah this is when we start to do things like people pleasing Mm. like giving up what we believe in, in trying to please someone else or keep a relationship going um, and in varying different ways. But I'm also now, I was not at the time though, don't get me wrong, I was <laughs> not at the time. I One of the things that I am now incredibly grateful for at that time is that this deep blow to my self-worth and the ending of that relationship was the catalyst for what I can only describe as an, a spiritual awakening. Mm. And I do not believe that that would have happened with as much depth or as much uh, clarity and also meaning for me at that time, if it had not been for the fact that I needed to reach out for help and I needed to find new ways of thinking about myself and walking through the world.
0: Mm. And it's like, well, I get a sense, it's like it was such a dark time in your life, but there was also, yeah, this really um, powerful, energetic kind of spark of recreating yourself and and redefining and changing the way you're thinking and living and being in the world and that's so significant isn't it yeah it's hugely
1: significant because Mm. this experience of depression of anxiety of needing to take time off work Mm. extensively and not being able to to do the thing that I loved basically to enter into a deep stage of healing that's mm-hmm. the that's the only way that I can describe it through a combination of uh, therapy, yeah. but also exploring and finding at that time um beautiful self-help books mm-hmm. and yeah. teachers and guides, uh, meditation. Mm-hmm. I learned how to meditate for the very first time in my life. Uh, at that period of time yeah. and that was life-changing like learning to first of all be with my thoughts which yeah. and be with myself which is at the time which was at the time a really significant thing because I did not like myself I hated myself I, I was doing everything that I possibly could to not be who I was at that time and not face up to the reality that this relationship was over. And Mm. I now had to move forward without this person in my life. I just did not want that to be the Mm. truth. And so I would do all sorts of things to try to forget that Mm. that was the case, whether it be eat, whether it be stay out all night with a girlfriend, um, whether it be, not go to bed until one o'clock in the morning to fall asleep and you know all of those kinds of things none of which were helpful but it was when I began to find things such as meditation I began to exercise more I began to spend more significantly more time in nature and connecting with my both inner and outer world that I was able to begin to understand how to soothe and self-regulate myself at a much deeper level and then change those thoughts i was having about myself and reclaim my self-worth and move forward with it feeling differently about myself in a in a new and more empowered way.
0: Mm. I think it's really special that you're sharing this because as you said you were a therapist and i feel like people always assume that therapists already do all of the things that inverted commas we should do to look after ourselves um, and forget that we're just human beings having a human experience like everyone else. Um, So I think like that's something that just really stands out for me that, you know, even as a therapist, you still had to learn how to like love yourself and nourish yourself again.
1: Yeah, and I think the operative word is again, it's not like I had had That's right. I had a a handle on myself. You know, and I was looking after myself and I was very, very good at what I did. And I'm still very, very good at what I do. I think I'm even better at what I do as a result of having that experience.
0: Yes. Yeah. When
1: I when I went back to my therapy work and Mm. and by then I was also life coaching and and working with women from all over the world, I was better what I did after having that experience do I necessarily believe that I wanted to have that experience or if I could no no, I didn't want to have it um uh, in 20 plus years later I'm so fine and okay that I did but it took many many years to look back and be okay with what took place there because it was Mm. incredibly painful it was very sad and dark and painful at that time but Mm. also filled with rich and incredible lessons that I now still carry with me all these years later Mm. but here's the thing when you're in it yeah when you have fallen over yeah for any reason whether it is a relationship whether it is motherhood that has brought you to your knees whether it is grief whether it is severe physical changes in your life a sickness an illness uh, anything of that sort you are just like any other human being yeah the chemistry in your brain changes how you feel about yourself your thought processes change your Mm -hmm. subconscious mind and what you believe about yourself shifts And you do not necessarily have the hindsight or the foresight or the wherewithal or clarity to see it Mm. when your heart is broken or when you are getting two hours sleep a night, if that, as a new mum, or Mm. you are dealing with huge grief or severe physical pain or anything that you're in it. You can't see better than anybody else. It does not matter what kind of training
0: you've had. Yeah, so true. It's like that, um, I often draw this image for clients. It's like when we're looking at our problems and they're so close to us that we just can't see them and we have to step back to be able to look at them. And often we need like a coach or a therapist or someone external to do that because when we're in it, we just can't see clearly, can we?
1: No, and I certainly couldn't. And that's when I realised I needed help, and yeah. and I got that help, and it was life changing.
0: Mm, I think, and and I think you've already really touched on how you looked after yourself, like in terms of you know nature, therapy, meditation. Is there anything else um, that you did to take care of yourself, your heart, your nervous system during this time that you want to share?
1: Yeah, I did mention this briefly before, mm. but I think it's something and I know that this is an enormous privilege
0: mm. that not
1: everybody has, but I took three months off
0: work. Mm. Yeah, okay. Um,
1: I was able to do that mostly paid because I had the leave that was available to me at that time, two and a half months, I think. I, you know I had a, I'd been working in the workplace I was in full-time for many many years mm-hmm. and I had quite a bit of sick leave that was available to me because other than that I was perfectly healthy and well and I also used some annual leave as well and this was something that my therapist encouraged me to do and initially i was incredibly resistant about uh because it felt like the that one thing that was that i was sort of holding on to about my self-worth in a way well at least i can still go to work and do that and i'm good at what i do mm. um I didn't want to let that go and it actually took a really, really straight up looking down straight into my eyes kind of thing from her, from this very, Mm. very experienced and much older than me therapist at the time Mm. to have her say, but here's the thing, you're not good at it at the moment.
0: Mm. I was
1: so deeply offended like when she said yeah. that to me, I was outrageously offended, and it was like, "Well, how you know, internally, I was like, "Well, how would you know? Yeah, And then quite literally, as soon as I had that thought inside my head, mm. i I thought to myself, "Of course she knows. Mm. you you are falling apart, literally mm. in front of her. You're crying, you're not sleeping, you're not eating properly, you're not functioning as a human being, Julie. You Mm. know that she is right. You know you need to stop.
0: Mm.
1: And so I had to swallow really hard. And I cried buckets at Mm. I remember it so well, like it was yesterday, and we're talking 23 plus years Mm. ago. And she said, it's okay. She said, give yourself the time off, take a break. And, you know, by the time I arrived home and, and sent the email to my workplace Mm. with, and I had a very beautiful and understanding manager, um, the relief, was extraordinary. And I think actually that was the day that my healing really began.
0: Um, yeah, because sometimes, as I know for me as a therapist, sometimes if life is feeling hard, there is something about being in the therapy chair that really fills my cup up and and my self-worth cup up too, if I'm being honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, yeah, so I imagine taking that away when you're already feeling so vulnerable. Um, yeah, it would have been so scary, but then it, it sounds like it was also, yeah, really, really integral to your healing.
1: Completely. And and I still yeah. looking back believe that I was turning up well
0: for yeah. my clients. Yeah.
1: In a performative way.
0: Yes. Yeah. It
1: was like, you know, okay. Big deep breaths, next one, you've got this. You know, so like, it was hard, mm. it was challenging. Yeah. And I don't necessarily think anybody would have really known that. Yeah. But of course, there's no way that I could have been giving the very, very best that I could. Mm. And it was the right decision. And so again, I know that it was. I I had circumstances that allowed that to be possible for me, which I know is not the case for everybody. Mm. But for anybody listening, if you have, if you're ever in a similar position and you can take a break of some kind from having to perform duties elsewhere, um, it's a wonderful thing to do. Shout out to all the mums who can't clock off. Yeah,
0: to this right <laughs> I know it's hard sometimes as a mum. No matter what's going on, you just like I, I have to keep going. Um, but although hopefully we, you know, we also have people that we can call if we really feel like we can't. Um, yeah. yeah, I think that is really. Yeah, it's the thing that stands out for me is that sometimes when we're going through these really really hard dark times we do everything we can to avoid it, to keep ourselves busy. Um, and some of those things are healthy things like working, you know, and uh, and unhealthy things. But you, I have a sense that you just like stripped everything back. So there was no avoidance of what you were going through at that point. You were just facing it head on.
1: Yeah, I was. And again, that was a very privileged position for yeah. me to be in, to have those 12 weeks, yeah. uh, to do that. And there were great days and, mm-hmm. and movement forward. And there were also really challenging days as well. Um, I spent some t- more time with my family. I went away on a little holiday with a girlfriend to got some sun and I went to a lot of therapy appointments. Yeah. I did a lot of reading, um, mm-hmm. I cooked for myself a lot I really tended to me significantly mm-hmm. you know during that time and it was not perfect and everything yeah. was not sorted at the end yeah. of those 3 months mm-hmm. but I certainly was a lot stronger um, and a lot a, a lot more connected to myself than I was when I started where yeah. I felt incredibly lost
0: mm. And when did you notice like that your self-worth had started, you'd kind of maybe started to remember and reconnect to that, you know, beautiful sense of being enough and being important. Mm. Do you have a, a memory of, of that that shift? You know, did it kind of sneak up on you or was it like a big moment?
1: I don't think it was a big moment, no. Mm. I think when... I started to know that things Mm. were improving and I was Mm. returning to myself was quite literally when I began to realise that he was not a part of my every waking Mm. or dreaming thought and that I was not fixated on what he might be doing, Mm. what we might be doing if we were still together and worried about the future that instead I began to just live again significantly more in the present moment, which was a present moment and time that no longer involved him. Mm -hmm. And so when I started to realise that that had shifted and changed and my mind was not as fixated on that as much i knew then that things were shifting and, and changing for me
0: mm-hmm. yeah. sounds like you were, like became really in touch with reality and yes. and also more accepting of the the reality of it as well
1: it's a perfect way to describe yeah. it yeah whereas previously up until then i had very much been living mm. in a false hope
0: yeah
1: things were going to change and and they were not
0: mm, I get that I feel like everyone will be able to relate to that I definitely can and it sometimes it drags out the 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 grief period of a breakup doesn't it but I think it's really normal to not want to accept a, the relationship ending at the beginning
1: completely especially mm. especially when we hold on to to hope or yeah. we have fear about what that ending means and who we are with without someone of course we are each our own person but then we are also a part of something when yeah. we are in relationship with someone whether that be an intimate relationship a friendship a, a parent child relationship you know we we all have we play different roles we have different um, thoughts and feelings about ourselves based on who we are connected to yeah. and that's not the only thing that we have thoughts and feelings about our self-worth and mm. self uh, self-belief about but it's one of them and so when one of those relationships ends mm. especially in circumstances that we were not expecting because it came as a huge shock to me, mm um even though again with hindsight when mm. i look back the clues were there and i was just not seeing them mm. our entire perception of ourselves changes
0: yeah
1: this can happen with the ending of a friendship yes you know yeah. which is often i think particularly for women the breakdown of friendships is is something that we often do not talk about and how painful Mm. that can be, you know, how difficult that can be. And it's the same. It can make you question yourself. It can make you really shift and change so many things and how you feel about yourself. And coming through that is a a time of transition that's not easy.
0: Mm. I think to be human means to be impacted on by our relationships. Like we're not meant to have this rock solid identity and self-worth that never ever changes based on what's going on in our life are we to be human it it is to be fluid and to to shift
1: absolutely and Mm. if any of us I believe I know that this might be a bold statement to make but Mm. you know I feel like I can claim it in a way Mm. as you know at my age and with lived experience now is that someone's bypassing
0: Mm. themselves
1: entirely if they are thinking that somehow or another their relationships with other people and the ebbs and flows and challenges and difficulties and joys and highs and lows that we all experience with those do not impact our self-worth in some way Mm. i just literally do not I I can't comprehend how that is actually humanly possible Mm. and for anybody that thinks that it's not I think there is a level of uh, wall yeah maybe denial lack of connection bypassing that's going on there and I'm not saying for one moment that that means there is anything wrong Mm. with anybody that might be experiencing those things but I truly do believe that at some level we are all impacted.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it can be really vulnerable to admit that, can't it? Because we'd rather be 100% in control of our sense of self-worth and 100% in control of our identity Um, but we are yeah we I think that's a really powerful bold statement and if anyone could make it you can Julie
1: (laughs) (laughs) well you know I don't want to give anybody the impression of course that we're not in that the person that most chiefly impacts our self-worth is ourselves because of course that is the truth how we think about ourselves how we feel about ourselves these kinds of things are they do of course live with us but it's like you know the the insta quote boss babe you know some of the things that we <laughs> see out there in the social media world that you yeah. know say things like if what anybody else thinks or you know uh that kind of thing well yeah. as human beings it's not that simple oh, we're I'm actually sure. hardwired yes. for connection yeah we, are, it, we I'm not for one moment saying that, of course, we cannot control what anybody else thinks of us. Yes. We cannot control what anybody, how anybody else behaves towards us. But to say that how people may feel about us and how people may behave around us does not impact us at all, I feel is inhuman. Like I just, it's just inhuman. It's (laughs) like... It does not mean that we have to fall in on ourselves. That if somebody yeah. doesn't like us, or if somebody breaks up with us, or if somebody, you know, or any anything within that realm, that that means that there is anything wrong with us, or you know, all of those mm. kinds of things that we've talking we've been talking about. But yeah. to think that that doesn't impact us in some way. Mm. I, I I just can't feel that. Like Sam, if I was to find yeah. out tomorrow <laughs> that you didn't like me anymore, yeah. I would be upset yeah, about that. I would live, I yeah. would, I would move on with my life, but I wouldn't like it.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, that's never gonna happen for starters, but it's so uh, you're speaking my language, Julie. I did a podcast a couple of months ago called permission to worry about what others think of you instead right. of cuz it was something like that i can't remember but it was literally i was sick of everyone saying you know um stop worrying about what other people think of you and like making people feel like there's something wrong with them if they do care what other people think i was like actually we are like hardwired for connection and that's because like we needed it, it, we needed it for survival so mm. if we don't start by normalizing that then we are essentially gaslighting ourselves up because we're thinking oh there must be something wrong because, with me because i really care what julie thinks about me instead of like actually that's really normal and human to care um yes. what others think you know and yeah, of course yeah. then it's personal there's a spectrum like i obviously care a lot more what you think about me than like someone i've never met on instagram <laughs> of
1: course but we of do
0: you know, we do care, and I think that just makes us human. So
1: and thank goodness yeah. for that. so yes yeah. We
0: do care because yeah. it
1: is part of being human. And yes, mm-hmm. there is perspective here in continuum. You know, if if, yeah. if I open up my phone after this interview and someone's dropped into my DMs and I've got no idea who they are, and they say, <laughs> I don't like you and your work. It's like, I'll move on. And it's <laughs> like whatever, you know, like yeah. it doesn't matter. But if it's somebody that I like and admire and respect. That's a a different thought or feeling process altogether. It is okay to care. It's human Mm -hmm. to care. It it makes you a connected, feeling sensitive, you know, beautiful person. The issue is about how much you care Mm. and what it then impacts or influences you to do. Yes. Or not do. Yeah. That's that's the thing that we have to be careful about, that we don't then care so much that we stop ourselves from doing things that we want to do because we're fearful of what someone or that person may say or think,
0: mm. or that
1: we don't start to put ourselves last. Yeah. and everybody else first to get their needs met so somehow or another that will ingratiate us towards them. That's what it's about. It's yeah. it's not about the caring in the first place or the feeling in the first place. It's about then how that
0: impacts you and what you do with it. Yes. Oh, my gosh. So much yes to this. I feel like I want <laughs> to make a record of that and put it somewhere. Um. So before we wrap up, I think... I, we were talking, and and you explained it so beautifully about how when you're in it, you can't see it, and you need support from other people to kind of almost help you see out, see a way out. Um, I would love for you to just speak to anyone who's listening to the podcast today, who's maybe where you were back in your 30s, going through a rough breakup, or um, just any other time in their life where it's really. Um, shaking their sense of self-worth, their identity. Do you have any like words of wisdom or anything that you want to kind of say to them if they're listening today? Oh, my goodness.
1: This is a, a beautiful question uh, to to finish up on, Sam. And the the one thing that is, I mean, there's so many different things that I could say here. Mm. But the one thing that is coming to me, which was, such a significant part of my own experience is to, first of all, I'm sending you so much love because I know that the the phase and this period of life that you're going through, which will not last forever, mm. is really challenging and difficult. And if it's one thing that I would lovingly like to implore you to explore is How can you get radically, self-lovingly honest with yourself about how you really are and what is happening for you? What I mean by that is not being in denial about the fact that you might not be sleeping properly or that you're having increasingly anxious thoughts. Or you're crying in the car Mm. all the time in private because you know that it's about the only place I cried in the car a lot Mm. Mm -hmm. when I was driving because my flatmate couldn't see me, I couldn't cry at work. How are you eating? How are you taking care of yourself or not? And just really lovingly taking stock of Mm. everything that is happening for you or not happening for you that is not usual, Mm. that is in response to the the deficit of self-worth and self-connection and self-belief that you are experiencing right now for whatever reason that may be. Because as soon as you can get lovingly honest with yourself about all of those things, a combination of, or even just some of them that might be happening for you, then think about that like a loving friend Ooh. and what that loving friend might advise you to do. And I would strongly suggest to you that in there, there will be some suggestions around making changes and probably reaching out for some support and help even if it is just, in inverted commas to begin with, a loving and trusted friend that you can tell with full heart and honesty what's really going on for you. Because once you're there, then the light will begin to crack through and you'll start to
0: see the road back. Mm. Oh, I am going to make a special tag for this episode I feel like anyone who is going through a rough time a breakup something like that is just going to receive those words thank you so much Julie for sharing such a personal story um I know that everyone listening is going to get so much out of it and I'm just really grateful for you such a pleasure Sam thank you so much for having me on